so um, in our culture, I don't think that we have a lot of room or understanding about blessing, especially with our mouth. It's all through the scriptures and um, in Old Testament culture and also uh, New Testament culture as well as uh, around the world. Uh, someone that says something over someone is sometimes a lot more heavy and weighty than we say things to each other. But I think we could probably understand it best like this if I say, um, you know, somebody says, you know, I curse you for whatever, da, da, da. I don't think we'd feel too great about that, would we? So I wonder if we did that with our kids, you know. Would anybody feel great about that, that that happened? I think we'd probably be freaking out wondering what was going to happen, right? We kind of, but wonder if we said, I bless you. So sometimes we may weigh more on the negative than we do the positive. Except that the positive of blessing each other in the name of Jesus is so much greater and so much bigger. It's as great as Jesus resurrecting from the dead when Satan thought he'd killed him, right? It's as great as Jesus creating the earth, blessing it. It's as great as heaven itself, right? So the blessing is always more powerful than the curse. Except that sometimes we pay more attention to the curse than we do the blessing, right? Even when we speak things out of our mouth, we don't know the power of what it is to say something kind to someone. How powerful that is, especially in Jesus' name. Because Jesus' name is the name above all names. He proved it by resurrecting from the dead, right? Yeah. Proved that the devil had no power over him. Every authority and power and dominion had to submit to him. That's the story of Jesus coming, right? The blessing of Jesus and Jesus overcoming by dying on a cross and resurrecting from the dead. If he didn't resurrect from the dead, all that would have been useless, but he proved something to all of us, right? By leaving behind a tremendous blessing. When we think of Christmas, I, I think of responding to great invitations. Really, the story of Christmas is how to walk with God, because all these characters appear in the story. It's really interesting, right? And uh, I want to read just a few verses here in uh, Matthew chapter 1, 18 to 23, starting. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph... Son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. As this took place to fulfill, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which can't just mention, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage till she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So the name Jesus is the Greek form of Joshua, which means the Lord saves. The Lord saves. Did everybody get an outline? You could take a look at this. I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but it's kind of a nice description and understanding of Jesus, especially for maybe some of you that aren't as aware of the Lord or, or uh, God or don't or maybe not familiar with your New Testament or the Bible at all. So uh, Jesus comes from this form, what he says, a Greek form of Joshua, which means he, the Lord saves. And Emmanuel, which he mentioned, which is another name for Jesus, mean, or God, means God with us, right? And so these are two New Testament words we see right off the bat here in the Christmas story. So the faith... 
of every human being revolves around being forgiven and forgiving. We don't know that. As we're born into the world, we don't know that we were born into a very difficult place, a place of sin and failure, and we need a Savior. Matter of fact, we don't know that until we begin to live life and the Lord lets us know, hey, you need to be connected to me. You weren't connected to me just because you were born uh, in a Christian household necessarily. You know, just because I was uh, born in a barn doesn't mean I'm a cow, right? Right. (laughs) That wouldn't happen very often, right? (laughs) And vice versa, (laughs) right? So it's so important to understand about these things and that they're not just... uh, Life's not just random. And um, matter of fact, the scripture puts it simply, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. We don't know that we've been born into darkness, into a place of sin and separation from the Lord. And the Lord just repairs all that by sending Jesus. And so we celebrate Jesus because he came to reverse all of that. This destructive sequence of not forgiving others and darkness and wickedness and sickness and all of it. So Christmas is an invitation to be filled with the very presence of God. And um, I want to just read some verses from Luke chapter 1, 26 to 28. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Do you know that's what Christmas and Jesus is all about? So when you don't have Jesus, right, the Lord's not with you. But when you have Jesus, the Lord is with you. Life's all about the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. And that's a big deal. Like if you get sick, the Lord is with you. He'll heal you. When you're broken, depressed, discouraged, He's with you. And even in the happy times. But having God with you and knowing He's with you makes such a difference in everybody's life. Now, I'm not talking about just knowing these around. We're talking about personally knowing Him. We call that being born again. We call that receiving Jesus formally in your life. God promises. If He promises one thing at all, He promises to be with you. Sometimes, though, in life's challenges, we forget that He's with us. But the amazing thing about Jesus is in this little transaction that takes place when we receive Him as our Lord and Savior is that He sends the Holy Spirit to actually live on the inside of us. And at any moment in time, we can cry out to Him and ask Him for what we need, like a father would take care of his children. Every time I see kids, I think of that so much. You know, I think of how Jesus treats us this way because of what He did on that horrible cross. But He had to come into the world first, and Christmas is all about him coming into the world, and there's amazing little uh, things in the Christmas story that are very instructive for us today. So we're just going to talk about the Christmas story a little bit, right? So we see in the story of Mary uh, in the very beginning, we see as we read through the story, angels appear and all kinds of things happen. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. And the greeting was, you are highly favored. I'd like to do that today. Greetings, you who are highly favored. You know why there's so many smiles in this room today? Because we all know we made connection with God. We know we all know he's, we're His kids, right? At least most of us know that for sure. And so we're all, all smiles. This is a day to be celebrate our favoredness, right? Except for this bug that keeps flying around my head. He's driving me. Crazy. 
Anyway, if I do that once or twice, just give me permission to whack him. All right. All right. I don't think I've ever had a bug up here. I've had a lot of other crazy things going on, but never a bug flying up my nose. Anyway, hallelujah. Mary was greatly troubled as words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You'll conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. I like that. You'll call him Jesus. He'll be great. will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in old age, and she was said to be unable to conceive. She was said to be unable to conceive. It was in her sixth month. But no, for no word from God will ever fail. And then she says this, which is the most amazing thing, and I think is probably why God selected her in the first place. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled in the angel left her. Can you imagine? I wonder if God searched the entire human race that he saw was coming and wondered who in the world would say, I accept that challenge. I accept that I'm favored. I accept that I'm going to be the mother of God. Wow. You know what? I wonder if he would have said that to someone and they would have said, no way. I ain't doing that. <laughs> You've got to be kidding. Come on. You know, she didn't do that. Maybe it took a while for him to find someone that would say, okay, and feel favored and privileged in the process. The angel told Mary, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So that's how there's going to be this birth. Mary foreshadowed the experience of all believers to come because when we become Christians, when we ask Jesus to come in our life, it's not that we just made this little transaction that we hope that stick until we die. No, the Holy Spirit actually comes and lives on the inside of you. That's why when you meet Christians that are really know the Lord, they're a little weird, you know. They're kind of ha too happy, you know, too friendly in a way, you know. And uh, it's because the Spirit's inside of them and they just can't help it. It just sort of leaks out, you know. The Spirit overshadows us. He fills us. We talk a lot, a lot about that here. Because it's the presence of God that was bought for us on this cross that Jesus not only came and died for our sins, but He came that we'd receive Him. That's why Emmanuel, that word, is so powerful, fulfilled in what Jesus did for us on the cross, fulfilled in Him coming into the world. Mary foreshadowed the experience of all believers to come. God invites everyone to be born by the Spirit, to be baptized, filled with the Spirit, and to minister to others in the power of the Spirit. And we just see that in all through church history. We just see as the church began to be born, Jesus said, you know what? It's good that I'm leaving. And they said, well, why is it good that you're leaving? We don't think that's a very good idea at all. And he said, it's good that I'm leaving because I'm going to send the very presence of God. And you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So that's the promise all of us have. The moment you say yes to Jesus, the Spirit comes and lives inside of you. That's why we have these silly grins on our face. That's why we're optimistic. That's why we're encouraged. And he doesn't just stop. He keeps encouraging us our whole life. When we get into dark times or good times, that's what Jesus does, right? Not just the little baby in the manger we celebrate every once in a while. It's the ongoing, amazing presence of God that speaks words to you, that gives you information about your job, that tells you what's going to happen in the future, that encourages you, that heals you, that delivers you, gives you wisdom beyond your ability. That's why Christians are the best employees on the planet. They should be anyway if they know Jesus. 
because they're going to be honest but also know things. Supernaturally move in the very power and authority of God, and that's what God's offering here. I like Jesus in a manger, but I like him better in my spirit, and I like him better saving me from my sins, and I like him better escorting me to heaven. How about that? Amen. All right. So Mary opened all the, the door to all this. She said yes in faith. <laughs> just She said yes, it's okay. Man, I tell you what, I just think there's a whole book of promises and destiny available to anybody who just says yes. Thing is, you just got to know his Bible too. The reason why you got to know his Bible is we don't want to enslave you to a book of information that you're not interested in. It's full of promises. It's a, it's a book full of promises all about what you get when you walk with God. And it's explained through all kinds of examples with all kinds of people, right? So you see their example and what God finally did. And there's warnings too. Don't do that. You're going to end up in a bad way. Do this and it's going to go good for you, right? So Mary took this promise and received this Jesus, right? She received the, the God coming on her, overshadowing her. And she became, in a sense, the first believer, right? And the promises were fulfilled to her. Everything she said about Jesus would come true. There's a suffering part, but it's amazing. And her life was just one of the most incredible lives I could imagine, right? Birthing this child, then being there when he was killed on a cross, and then experiencing him and his resurrection. Talk about a ride. Wow. Wow. But in a sense, we all have that ride. All of us experience that. We live this life in difficult circumstances sometimes. Life's not easy. But for the, the greatest hope for all of us is Mary's hope that she would see her son again. And you will see Jesus when you leave this place. And you'll see all these funny people in here with the you know, funny looks on their face and the joy that just doesn't seem to be quite right and the encouragement that they have. You'll see them all there with you. Life's just a little bit, you know, just a short time. The older you get, the faster it seems to be unwinding, right? <laughs> but eternity's forever, and that's what Jesus came for, the great invitation. We can't let pain and disappointment get in the way of the miracles God wants us to do in our lives. And I know, I know you all are desperately searching your outline for this incredible genius uh, thing that I've document I produced for you. But we're on Roman numeral three, just in case. Right? And you can read this afterward and look it up. Maybe some of you are very new to Jesus, very new to the whole thing of Christianity, don't know quite what to think. You get a piece here, you get a piece there. It's sort of hard sometimes to really make ends meet, kind of understanding the full thing, right? Is he a dogma? This Christian stuff? Is this just like politics? You know, they got a point of view. Is this a worldview? Or is this the lifestyle? Not just the lifestyle. It is. But most importantly, it's Jesus, the life of God in you, the hope of glory. When you say yes to Jesus, the Spirit of God comes inside of you and you start living for Jesus, but you start living supernaturally. Not only to do good, but to hear His voice, to hear about your destiny, who you are, what you're supposed to do. Next, he's interested in all of it from A to Z. From the time you're born to the end, he's interested in all of it. Resurrecting dreams and hopes and filling you with uh, courage and strength in every way. Matter of fact, I, I just feel, uh, I'm going to pause for a moment. I just want to pray a couple of prayers. Who needs a job here today? If you need a job, you're just looking for a job, you raise your hand. All right. Do you know you can pray for stuff like that? So if you need a job, stand up right now. That's your act of faith. You raise your hand like that. Now stand up. Now, Lord, I pray. 
I'm going to pray this, and I mean it. All right. Everybody that needs a job, as a congregation, we ask you on this Christmas Day, remember we prayed this on Christmas, okay? So set your little timer. We prayed this on Christmas. The reason why I have your faith is just a little act of your faith. God likes faith. So I think probably the last thing anybody wants to do in a congregation is stand up in front of everybody else. So that's the good. So you're exercising a little faith, right? So Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray that a job would be forthcoming. Here in the next several weeks, I pray it wouldn't be any old job, but a job that pays well, and a job that helps us to get along with what we need. It fits in our schedule, and it works out perfectly for us. I'd say for some of you, I pray even, Lord, that you would bring a career. In Jesus' name, amen. See, that's the stuff you get to do as a Christian. Because you have someone speaking to the Father about you, right? And he opens that. That's what the whole gift of Christmas is about. It's about connection with God and be able to speak freely, right? Personal disappointment can cause our hearts to be burdened so that we can become blind to invitations God's already giving us. So this guy named Zachariah, who preceded Jesus, he had this son named John the Baptist who was going to prepare the way for Jesus. So his wife got pregnant in their old age, but he was burdened and unbelieving when he received his Christmas invitation. We read about this in Luke chapter 1 and 11 to 20. I mean, and, uh, and so an angel actually appears to him and tells him that actually his son is going to be the forerunner of Jesus. And I want to just read this for just a moment because it's really important for us. So an angel of the Lord appeared to this John, this, this John the Baptist's dad, Zechariah, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. What would you do if an angel suddenly appeared to you? How many have seen an angel before? Raise your hand. No, raise them real high. Look how many people have seen angels. Does that freak you out or what? So they're real, right? But I bet you didn't know that that many people have seen angels. If you're a Christian, you see stuff like that. Did I say that? Did I say that right? You see stuff like that. It's all kinds of stuff like that. This is the real deal. This is real Christianity. This is really walking with someone supernatural. This isn't a religion. This is more than a religion. This is a personal relationship with heaven, right? So the angel says, hey, don't be afraid, Zachariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your her wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. You're to call him John. He'll be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. Well, she wasn't able to have kids. So he's really depressed about the whole thing. For he'll be great in the sight of the Lord. All these promises, yeah, yeah, blah, 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 right? He'll go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here's Elijah. After he hears, I mean, I mean, here's Zechariah. After he hears, a, he says, okay, fine. How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man. My wife's well along in years. What's the big deal here? What are you coming? Tell me this news. <laughs> so I want you to learn a little lesson here today. Be careful how you treat heavenly messengers and heavenly promises, right? <laughs> The angel said to him, you know what? I'm Gabriel. <clears throat> I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent <clears throat> to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you'll be silent and not able to speak until this day come, this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. My words are going to come true, but you're not going to talk for a while. So even when they wanted to know what he was going to name him at his birth, he had to write it out. And as soon as he did, when the baby was born, his tongue was loosed. But there's something here. Is God being mean to him? No, he's just helping us understand that he's really, really means it when he wants to give you an invitation and answer it. 
It's a serious matter to him to fulfill his promises to you, right? And then this guy, same guy, and this is what we do. He went like he couldn't talk for a while, and then all of a sudden the baby's born, he can talk. And then we see this amazing thing. He gets all this this uh, this verbiage. He gets all this stuff. He gets to talk again. It's, it's Luke chapter 1. You can read it, verses 57 to 67. And in these amazing verses, he tells all about God and how wonderful God's been to him and everything. So he gets a lot of, a lot of, a lot of press here <laughs> to catch up for why, when he said those things about not believing, right? So he got to say it all over again. Joseph, the Mary husband. Can you imagine the Mary husband who's not so Mary <laughs> after Mary gave her the, after he got the news, right? But God had to talk to him. But you know what? Here's an interesting thing about this is a right response. Because maybe some of you are in pain over circumstances, situations that haven't worked out so well. Maybe you've heard someone promise or maybe you got a Bible promise, right? And you've heard it so often you just feel like, oh, I can't hear that anymore. But listen to this. Could I just say, encourage you God really does answer prayer. Sometimes He answers it in ways that we can't imagine, ways that are even better than we asked. But here's a key thing, and you can read this on B of your outline. Joseph's heart stayed soft long enough to let God's plan unfold. Because he hears this about his wife being pregnant. He could have just stormed off, da-da-da-da. But he just, he, just was, he just said, wait a minute now. Okay, wait just a minute. Let me give Mary the benefit of the doubt or just something. Just give me some space. But he didn't react. He didn't, you know, bring her before all the people and stuff. And, and, and God caught up with him, right? Sometimes when we're in situations that are difficult, just let your heart stay soft and never let it get bitter. Keep believing God's a good God. The reason why we know God's a good God is he sent Jesus, his only son, to die on a cross for us, a hideous death. And they proved he was God by resurrecting from the dead. It cost God everything. Right? So that's a hard thing to grasp, that how would somebody send their own son to the cross? But he did it for us so we would have access to him. It was because of our sin and failure he sent him. And that cross, that blood, was the covering for our sins so that we could call him by faith, right, and receive him, right? So Joseph stayed soft enough, long enough, until he became a mighty man of dreams and visions, able to hear God's voice and direction because he didn't put her away. He followed through, and eventually God spoke to him, told him what to do, sent him to Bethlehem, and he began to walk with God uh, ever since. And could I just say that to us today? Maybe you've been in a pretty difficult space with God. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, or maybe just been considering things, and you just don't feel like maybe things have happened to you that are fair. Even you just understand, maybe you wonder where God even went, or if he just stepped out to lunch or something. Just like Joseph, just stay for soft for a moment. Don't let your, whatever you do, don't let your heart get bitter. You have everything to gain and nothing to lose. Matter of fact, bitterness doesn't do any good anyway. If you notice that, even if you're not a Christian, even if you haven't walked with God, does bitterness actually solve any problems? Even psychologists will tell you bitterness cuts short all your creativity. You can't even think anymore when you get bitter. But life can be pretty rough sometimes. Maybe a husband or a wife leaves you or difficult, whatever, but... But, but when you walk with Christ, you go, Jesus, I have no idea what's happening here, but I declare your promise that all things work together for good for them that love the Lord to call according to your purpose. So where is the goodness in this? And Joseph stayed long enough, soft long enough for God to actually then speak to him and explain his circumstances. 
Lord, I just pray that anybody that's in trouble today that's got a really hard situation, it might be a marriage situation, a school situation, a family situation, I ask that in this whole congregation, Lord, that you would allow us to stay soft. You would help us to stay soft toward you and open toward you long enough to receive your word, your judgment, and your counsel and your miracle. In Jesus' name. Bitterness doesn't solve anything, does it? When Jesus began to fulfill his ministry to Israel, the people were in pain. And here's the contrast between them and Joseph. Joseph didn't get hardened, but many, many, many people, because of the, the pain of the moment, the situation that they were dealing with, were in pain. They were in difficulty, right? And they become hardened to hearing God's voice. And so this is why Jesus said, you know, this generation is so hard, I'm going to have to speak to them in parables because they're liable for every word that I say. Though seeing they don't see, though hearing they do not hear or understand. So his generation rejected him at first. And actually the Romans crucified him. But it was because of his own countrymen that delivered him up, right? Not all of them. And many of them were soft and ready for him, but the leadership absolutely was not. So he said, you know what? In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, you'll be ever hearing but never understanding. They're very religious, but they never understood. You'll be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this purpose, for this people's heart has become callous. Don't let your heart get callous. If you come to receive Jesus, if you want to walk with God, you can't be callous. Just going to have to lay down all your objections, and you're going to have to trust. Just like this Christmas story, the most amazing thing about this Christmas story is the trust that was involved. And they go down to Jerusalem, and they're all alone as a family, and then they have to trust him again because the people want to kill him, right? They want to kill him and ruin him. And he ends up in Egypt, and they went on this journey, and by that time, traveling in Egypt or to another country was really deadly, especially if you're all alone. They took that journey and made it up to Nazareth and started their life again, right? But people's hearts can become callous. They hardly hear with their ears and they close their eyes. Don't do that this Christmas. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their hearts, understand, see with their ear, hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. That's what God wants to do. He wants to physically heal you and wants to heal your heart. He wants to heal your finances. He wants to heal everything about you. Because I came, he said, that they might have life and have it abundantly. I don't want to go to church. I don't know. Da, 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 da. You don't have to go to church. You get to go to church. This is where the angels gather. <laughs> Two or three gather together. God says, I'm especially in their midst. Yeah. Why wouldn't you want to go to a place like that? Well, if you're callous, you don't understand these things. But when you get smarter, you understand it also. God's on a spoil sport. He likes to prosper you. He delights in your prosperity, in your health, in your wealth, in your family. Lord, I just thank you for blessing that family right over there. I remember when you guys first came in, you ended up in that house in San Juan. And I didn't want you to be there because of that stupid pool. You got another house anyway. I'm going to say something over you. You guys have taken so much blessing and going, and now you're beginning to be a blessing to us and to everybody else. May the Lord bless your family. May the Lord bless everything you do. May you prosper and all your children be educated and grow up in the strength and admonition of the Lord. Prosper them on every side. In Jesus' name, amen. Not hard to do when you start walking with God because you start sowing the right seed, walking the right way. Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. So problem with people's 
And people in Israel, when he came, and you can see this in 3C, is their hearts have become callous and they couldn't hear anymore. Ooh, don't let your heart get callous, right? And even there came a point when Jesus said, if you had known only on this day, and this was a strategic point, you know, I would have just said, I would have taken you under my arms and I would have shepherded you and taken care of you. But the whole nation was hardened and belligerent. And, and so they gave him up, right, to the Romans. And he was crucified, ironically, so that they could go free. His death meant that they could call him at any time and he would save him, bring him into this amazing life. Didn't treat him too well when he was alive, right? But whoever received him, he gave the right to become children of God. So last little point here. The Christmas story helps us understand that our hearts need to be soft and flexible if we want to flow in his miracle culture. And this is so true of all of us who have known the Lord for a while. I think there's probably everybody in this room needs a miracle in some way or another. And a soft heart that's flexible with the Lord finds out that not only God wants to give you stuff, but sometimes what you thought you needed or wanted, He'll only take care of that, but He'll give you more than that. Or He'll give you something that's even better. How many ever received something better than you thought you needed? I mean, it's weird, isn't it? You got your heart set of that sort of, you know, you learn this early in your lessons, you know, with the kids. You know, kids think they got this thing and Sometimes when I've given my kids gifts, they ask for something, and I gave them something even better. They looked it over and went, oh, wait a minute, I hit the jackpot here. This is even better, you know, because they're so interested in getting that one thing, right? But God's the one that gives better all the time. That's why I came that they might have life and have it abundantly is a big deal, right? God shows favor to the humble, stable shepherds and a young girl who believed the incredible, most incredible news ever heard. She was able somehow to grasp. I don't know how long it took God through the centuries to find one woman that would actually believe and trust Him. And her name was Mary. And she was proud to be the mother of God. She knew. She knew. She was proud. In a sense, we need to be proud that God comes and chooses us. That He wants to live through us. Be excited about it. It's quite an adventure. I like this verse very much. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. But the thief, that's the devil, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, right? God loves to respond to the hungry of heart. And I think that's kind of the people he first came to. Like the Simeon and Anna in the story. Wasn't it a weird story? Simeon and Anna. These people, they're prophesying him coming and, and before he even comes. Mary comes in there and talks. they tell her all about what's going to happen, right? They were waiting the reason why God spoke to them is because they knew the season was coming. They were open with their heart, right? And of course, we know all about the amazing thing of the poor and the broken and everybody that was healed. Jesus came, and you know one of his accusations? One of the things they accused him of, hey, this guy's a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, because he hung up with all the not-so-spiritual people. He was a friend. He was accused of that, Right? And he told this amazing parable, and I love this, Luke chapter 14, because it's actually our story as well, right? Luke chapter 14 is all about us. And as he tells tell this, this parable, I want to just turn there real quick, and I'll finish with this. This is Jesus' heart. This is Jesus' heart for us, and it's Jesus' heart for everyone. And for maybe, it's sort of um, what we should be looking for and looking through every Christmas and way after Christmas. So he tells this little parable, right? And so 
the master is inviting all these people to this great feast. And a bunch of them wouldn't show up. So the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. So this is one of our greatest privileges as believers. Well, the greatest invitations we have from Christmas, and this Christmas it says responding to God's responding to God's great invitations, is to go to the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. It doesn't feel like such a great invitation sometimes, but it's one of our primary invitations as believers. There's more than enough to be rewarded from from this sort of lifestyle. But this is the heart of Jesus. He cares for everybody. Doesn't care about their, it doesn't matter their political party. It doesn't matter how poor they are, how rich they are. He's after everybody. Then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house may be full. I tell you, not one of those who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. So there's a lot they didn't receive, but there's a whole lot of folks out there that are very, very open, maybe more open than you know. Our world's a little off right now. There's all kinds of crazy stuff going on. There's great fear in the atmosphere. But there's no better time to invite people to the banquet table of the Lord than now. Most people think of Christianity that don't know Jesus as sort of a religion, sort of like a choice, a, a political choice perhaps. Oh boy, if he was just a political choice, like we're all doomed. <laughs> Who cares, right? <laughs> but if he's a choice for a life, worth living, a life full of vigor and blessing. I came that they might have life abundantly in my body, in my job, and to be abundant to other people as well, right? Lord, we thank you for Christmas and all that it means. Thank you for sending your Son. Amen. Let's all stand. Hey, I was shorter this time. Yeah, you appreciate that? See? See, there's miracles. They do happen. Only 30% of you fell asleep this time. That was awesome. So um, what I'd like to do is, how can I talk about Jesus like that and not give an invitation for you to either know him or to get healed or just get something from God just by asking? That's some of the most dynamic things about walking with God I found out. He really likes asking. Even the Greek tense of the word, when he talks about prayer, keep on asking, keep on knocking, keep on seeking. He just likes you to keep coming. And boy, I tell you, one that learned that one little principle, it's amazing. Come when it's inconvenient, come when it's convenient. But if you get an opportunity to ask, ask. And I bet you there's some people that would pray for you today. If you're looking for something special this Christmas season, looking for something that you need particularly. Perhaps you need healing in your body. Perhaps there's a job you've been looking at. Perhaps there's a husband or a wife that you would like to appear in your life this year. You have absolutely nothing to lose and everything to gain. And I'd just like you to seal it because sometimes when you're on a special holiday, uh, one thing that makes the kingdom go around is faith. So faith can get expressed in a number of ways. But one of them is just coming and saying, God, I need this. And doing it in like a public setting. It's kind of cool because you're doing it here and you remember when you prayed that one thing. What a great time to pray and ask for stuff. We're almost It's almost Christmas. Why don't we just take that one thing that you maybe you were asking for uh, for Christmas or a couple of things. And I'm sure you would like some new shoes or a new bike or 
or a new car or whatever, but like, what about deeper things, even bigger things? My living situation, job, where do I go to school, a wife, a husband. This is a good day to pray because you'll pray it like right on the eve of Christmas, Christmas Eve, really close. So you can actually mark that down on a calendar. Matter of fact, whatever you pray today, I'd do, I'd do this. I'd mark it down on your calendar. Go get a calendar and write it down that you prayed this. Yeah. Test and see. And so I said test. The scriptures taste, but it's actually the other thing too. Test and see if the Lord's good. So if you'd like prayer for something, in other words, you'd like to pray about something. You know, I know you got to go and do this really important thing, eat spaghetti or whatever you're going to do, but, but just, <laughs> if you're Italian maybe, I don't know. <laughs> but why don't you just take a moment to take a little Christmas break just come up here and ask God for something, right? And then what I'm going to do is just take a minute. Just come up here as, an, uh, as, as, a, as a step of faith. Just come right up here. And then what I'm going to do is I'm just going to pray a, a general prayer over you, and we'll be gone, okay? Let me do that. So just come quickly. Come quickly. You know what you want. You know what's on your mind today. And here, uh, and you can remember, you prayed this on what day is today? New Year's Eve, right? <laughs> Oh, excuse me, Christmas Eve, just testing you. Okay, here we are. We're all gathered. Let's pretend like you're loading your gun. You know, you're putting the bullets in there. Okay, God, these are my bullet points, Lord. All right. Man, I tell you what, I love prayer. When I was a little boy, about Joel's age, I started praying for all kinds of things that I just didn't know were out of bounds. I pray to be the most valuable player of this. I pray to be the get this grade over here. I pray to make that girl say yes. I do all this stuff when I was a little boy. And I found out early, even like as a third and fourth grader, God answered prayer and hot dog, I've been on it ever since. It's amazing. So this is an amazing thing you get to do by asking God for things. I only said to, I didn't mean to call you up here to be conspicuous or to put on airs or whatever. And there will be some people up here that if you like them, they'll be hanging around the front to just pray for, along with you, okay? If you take just a couple more steps this way, okay? Now, you guys got it dialed in. What is it that you would like to see as we transition into this new year? Huh? We're not begging. We're not trying to hit something up there. We're coming in the name of Jesus who shed blood for you on the cross, proved he was God by resurrecting from the dead, loves you so much he calls you his son or daughter, right? All right. Now, Lord, we lift all these things up. Bring that husband or wife we've been looking for. Bring that job we've been looking for. Bring that child we've been looking for. Fix this mess that's been so messy and entangled. Lord, we're praying this on Christmas Eve. Lord, we, we know what we want for Christmas. Some of them are tangible things. Some of them are intangible. A better marriage. Our children to do better. Our children not to be so depressed or discouraged. Get approval to go to that school. An open door that no man could close for a job. Opportunity. Lord, I just ask it right in this room. I come boldly, as you said to come, to an amazing throne of, Christmas, of grace on this Christmas. In Jesus' name. Open the floodgates over our lives, Lord. Open the floodgates over our lives. Have mercy on every section, every place that needs mercy, Lord. Some of us are desperate. Some of us are kind of desperate. Some of us aren't 
too desperate for taking advantage of the opportunity to say prayers again. Lord, thank you for hearing everything that's said. You know what? I'm going to leave this. Denise, why don't you just play a little bit? And you can just stay up here as long as you want. And if you need to go, feel free. And if you want to take one minute or five minutes, you can. Lord, I pray every prayer that's offered here in the next few minutes would be heard. And we thank you, God, for sending your own Son and making a way to heaven for us to come boldly to a throne of grace. Amen. Merry Christmas, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you have a great week. If you had an encounter during this service, we would love to hear about it in the comments. And for more information, next steps, check our website out at vineyardallin.org. Thank you. Thank you.